Hey everyone, we just launched a new show called Request for Startups. In the first season, we've got a rotating lineup of tech founders and investors joining me to share their requests for startups they want to exist in the world, and also share their stories of navigating the idea maze in different sectors so founders don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. The first episode is out now. We cover better dating apps, references as a service, and we work for productivity. Listen first, then build. Video episodes of the show are on our Substack. You'll find a link in the description. If Spotify is building this, you know, huge library, and then they have you on this app, when you open the app, their goal is just to keep you on that app. If the choice is between showing you a bad episode of a podcast that you're subscribed to because of some sort of like loyalty thing versus like a new podcast that you've never heard, but it knows that you will love because everyone with your similar profile loved it. They're going to show you that. Do you find that entrepreneurs or investors watch your stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do, but it's definitely on the younger side. I, I think that's why we've seen, you know, Gary Tan be so successful with YouTube because he's on the earlier stage. There's a ton of kind of fake gurus. There's a ton of uh, just like lifestyle business hustlers, you know, crypto trading, Amazon drop shipping. That type of stuff is like in the entrepreneurship niche. There aren't really that many people that are that are looking at, YouTube is a way to to promote like actual Silicon Valley analysis. The most viral TikTok probably has like a billion views, but it's 60 seconds long. So that's like a billion watch minutes. And then Mr. B's Squid Game is like 20 minutes long and it got 300 million views. And then the most listened to episode of Rogan probably has like 10 million views and it's like three hours long. So you multiply that together and you get like even more watch time. At the end of the day, all that matters is like the amount of attention that you're pulling in ideally in most economic models. Um, for advertising and really for kind of any the, the goal of any content. Welcome to Media Empires, where we sit down with the most influential media creators right now to learn exactly how they built their empires. Our aim is to extract the secrets of top tier podcasters, newsletter authors, and media creators who are breaking the old rules for media success. Whether you're looking to start your own empire or simply curious about the nuts and bolts behind media businesses, you'll find valuable insights and tactics in each episode. Grab your headphones, let's dive in. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of the show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code Media Empires to get a 20% discount. John, welcome to Media Empires. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me on. So John, you've been building your YouTube empire for the last few years. Uh, by way of introduction, why don't you talk about what led you to even start it in the first place? Because it was, a, it was kind of a pioneering move. You know, you were early. Yeah, yeah, I was super early. It was uh, pandemic. Uh right around the clubhouse era actually early 2020 and i couldn't get an invite to clubhouse all the cool kids were hanging out there so i made a youtube video analyzing clubhouse <laughs> and everyone was saying it was like massively overvalued and i was kind of like hey just like it doesn't matter like <laughs> like they're taking a big risk they're taking a big shot at 100 million dollars like probably you know probably wound yeah. up being overvalued but at the very least it was like just let them go and experiment and everyone well, dude to, you, like, you made down. the right platform bet you made the right platform bet because I've yeah. been in Clubhouse. I had like 5 million Clubhouse followers and can't do shit with it. Although I, I yeah, love yeah, those yeah. guys, but yeah. 
Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I kind of knew that YouTube was, was going to be, uh, I mean, it was a huge platform when I started in 2020. It was continuing to grow. And no one in tech was really thinking about YouTube from a YouTuber's perspective. A lot of people were doing like podcasts and uploading them there, but it was very much just like an extra channel, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and then, oh yeah, I'll throw this up on YouTube. I was like one of the first wave of like, you know, tech people to really think about like what does well on YouTube, what content does YouTube really, what, 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 what content is native to YouTube? And before, I wanna get into that, but before we do is like, what was even the prize? like? What, what you have a few hundred thousand YouTube subscribers, like what is that worth? How, how do we think of like people, <laughs> yeah. people in tech, you know, it's so native to think about Twitter following even more native to think about podcast following. Yeah. Um, but like what, what, why care about YouTube and like, what, yeah. what is it? What is it? Worth? I mean, I started it mostly just cause I was like bored and normally, you know, being in like the startup ecosystem, like running venture back companies, like you're going to a lot of happy hour events, meeting other entrepreneurs, talking to people like yourself. Like, like it's not unreasonable that with no pandemic, like we would have run into each other at an event in 2020, hit it off and had like a fun conversation, but like that wasn't happening in 2020. Uh, and for the first time in a decade of entrepreneurship, I basically had free time <laughs> because there was just nothing else going on. So my, my steady state workload was the same, but now I just had every social event was gone off my calendar. So now I had free time. So getting kind of like loud on the internet and just making content that people could see and would be kind of like an icebreaker to meet people would, was, uh, was kind of the thinking there to kind of just spur some serendipity, meet some random people. Uh, I mean, a great way to meet an entrepreneur is to like make a video about their company, which has happened several times where, where like we, I've been loosely connected with someone, but I haven't really known them. And then I'll make a video about their company and then we'll be chatting and it'll be like, Oh wow. Like you really nailed it on my company. Like, thanks for doing that. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, so in terms of the prize, um, the, the typical path on YouTube is like you, you grow and then you start making money from Google. Like Google sends you a direct, uh, check from AdSense and, it's kind of hard to, to benchmark that. It really depends on the niche. Like if you're, if you're doing content about like what credit cards you should use, like that'll be really, really high. And for, you know, like, like a hundred thousand subscribers, like you could easily be making a hundred thousand dollars a year just from YouTube sending you checks directly. Um, and then on the other side of that, uh, on the other side of that scale is like something like, you know, Minecraft content where, or Lego content where you're just making it for kids and it's not going to be very high CPM. So you might make, you know, one cent per subscriber or, you know, uh, 10 cents per subscriber or some, something like that. It all depends on how many, how much you're posting, how many views you're getting. Um, and then obviously people layer in other parts of the business model. So they do integrated sponsorships, brand sponsorships. Um, they launch their own products a lot of times. Um, for me, I, I, I haven't really been thinking about it as like an actual like for-profit business in that sense. I like that Google sends me a check because it makes me feel like, oh, cool. I can like invest this in better editing and buy more gear. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm just sinking money into this thing. And I never know when that will, what that will, what will come of that. Um, but, but do you have a big general, aspiration for it? Like what's the aspiration? I, I actually, I actually don't really like, like, there are a bunch of different ways that you could, that you could kind of monetize something like this. Um, I've done, I did like one or two sponsorships just to kind of see how the audience would react. It was fine. It worked pretty well, but it didn't seem like something that I really wanted to like go down the path of, of like, Oh, every video has a sponsorship. Um, 
I think I think starting a YouTube channel could be like a great lifestyle business. I don't really think that there's like a venture scale model. Um, it seems like the the best the best monetization path is still what you know Gary Tan kind of pioneered with his channel. He was doing vlogs, and and I saw that he was having a lot of fun on YouTube, and I was like, ah, YouTube is definitely going to be a thing. Um, I need to do something different. So instead of vlogs, I did video essays and like business breakdowns and. Um, and you can see that like, like he's going to build a, a business that's way more lucrative than if he put sponsorships on it by attracting deal flow specifically to, to YC in his case, um, but also initialized previously. Um, and so I, I, I think there's probably a model there that will make sense in the long term. Yeah. But right now I'm still pretty, pretty new to it. And I'm kind of just trying to figure out like what is what does the channel look like when it's like a well-oiled machine? Like I know exactly the type of content that I'm creating on a regular basis. Like, um, most people would probably look at the channel and be like, oh, he's, he has it all figured out. Like the numbers are good. Um, but if you, if you actually really know YouTube, you'll see that my content's very hit or miss. I'm kind of all over the place on length of content, on topics. I'll talk about AI and then crypto and then, you know, space and just kind of like all these different tech content and tying everything together in a way that the audience will sit and watch every single video instead of just showing up for a specific topic is a real challenge. So that's kind of like the, the goal of this year. Um, and then, and then I'll kind of see where it goes. Um, yeah, but it seemed like it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's something that you clearly have to build slowly over a very long time. And so if I just like start, if I, my, I think it was like, Hey, if I just start now, let it grow, it'll snowball. And then I can figure it out later and there'll probably be good opportunities. Yeah. It's really interesting. It maybe has more long tail value than like a podcast or a newsletter. People don't go back to listen to look at podcasts in the same way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know someone who sold their podcast backlog for a lot of money because really? with, yeah, because people, it was, it, it's an evergreen podcast. So it's very different if you're doing news versus evergreen. So if you're doing evergreen content, um, I do, that's another thing I need to figure out is that I do a little bit of evergreen and then I do a little bit of news. I really should just be focused on one style. Um, but you know, if you're doing evergreen content, people can go and binge the entire backlog. And with podcasts, you can go and insert extra ads into the old episodes after the fact via an RSS feed. You can't do that on YouTube. Like whatever I uploaded, I can, I can cut things out, but I can never go back from to a video. Like I have a video that I posted like a year ago. It gets like a million views every couple months. Like it just keeps going. Um, but I can't go back and add an, like an extra sponsorship or something to that. Um, so, but with podcasts, you can, so there's, so there, it, it just kind of depends. Um, uh, it's certainly, it's certainly more viral, like with a, with a, with a YouTube, with the YouTube algorithm, you have a much higher chance of getting a video that just breaks out and goes viral. That's much harder on, on podcasts, podcasts. It's all about kind of getting the guests on, you go on their podcast, they go on yours and you kind of swap and then you climb the rankings from there. Could you imagine, you know, someone like Packy McCormick, who, who's been on the show, yeah. you know, in the last, the last few years, he built this newsletter from nothing to, I think like a seven figure business yeah. and also, you know, a $30 million fund or, yeah. or, or more, you know, more AUM. And I'm curious, like, should the next Packy start on YouTube or is the newsletter a better format? Like, I'm curious how you think about comparing like, you know, formats for people in, in tech who want to do what a, what a packy like person is, is doing. Yeah. So I, I've thought about the packy model a bunch. Um, I mean, clearly incredible business. Um, 
I'm not sure that it would work super well on YouTube because part of the value of, uh, of like a mention in Packy's newsletter is that, that VCs and LPs and, and, you know, investor types are reading it. There aren't that many general partners that are watching YouTube. It's just a younger platform. There are some, but I don't know that it's, it's even possible to attract that audience on YouTube. I think you can definitely do it with podcasts. And so I'm thinking about doing kind of like a podcast feed for my content. So you can, you can listen to it on Spotify um, and you just don't get the video and that's fine. Um, but the, I mean, I think, I think there's something about being in that, in that work context of like, you show up in someone's inbox and even if it's in the promotions tab, they're usually processing that in a work mode on like a Monday morning and the, and the audience that he's curated is really, really, really tightly defined on YouTube. It's like a real huge mess of people. Like you get all, all over the world, you get really young people, you get older people, you just get, it, it's very hard to, to, to find like a specific niche for, you know, venture capitalists, which is essentially Jackie's yeah. audience. Um, how much of our industry listens or watches YouTube? Like, do you find that entrepreneurs or investors, uh, watch your stuff or, or watch? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they do. And, but it's definitely on the younger side. And I think that's, I, I think that's why we've seen, you know, Gary Tan be so successful with YouTube because he's on the earlier stage. Um, and that's a real, that's a real advantage. Um, there's been, um, I mean, I, I, like, it's one of those things where everyone watches YouTube, but not everyone uses YouTube in the same way. Like there are plenty of people that watch YouTube, but they, 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 they watch a very specific niche of content. Even if they're, even if they're older, they might not be there for business content. They might, they might just enjoy like film criticism, YouTube or something like that, or, or maybe they play a video game and they use that, or even, even like, uh, you know, parenting advice or, or uh, DIY, like home, like uh, how to fix your washing machine. Like that's something that, you know, a, I, I could imagine like some, you know, 40 year old venture capitalists like turning to YouTube for, um, but not necessarily like scrolling the browse feed and like watching every Mr. Beast video. Um, yeah. You know, which is like, yeah, the, the, basically it's all, it's all very nascent in terms of the like business niche on YouTube. There's a ton of kind of fake gurus. There's a ton of uh, just like lifestyle business hustlers, you know, crypto trading, Amazon drop shipping, that type of stuff is like in the entrepreneurship niche. There aren't really that many people that are, that are looking at YouTube as a way to, to promote like actual Silicon Valley analysis. Yeah. It, um, and so then there's a question of like, will that change and on what timeline? And, and yeah. let me give you the question behind the question, which is like, I'm starting this new media network. I'm really interested in like the Lenny's and Packy's and Harry's yep. uh, of the future. And, um, across different, I'm fascinated with niche media, like owning different sectors, like it should be Lenny for sales and engineering yep. and growth and legal and finance. And, um, but then I'm also more just interested in niche media, even outside of tech. Like there's this company industry dive, they create mm -hmm. niche publications for like industries, like the utilities industry, the waste yeah. industry, food industry, HR, and they sold $500 million. You know, wow. Workweek is, is trying to be a, a modern day version of them. And they're doing kind of newsletter first. Um, but I was actually talking to Blake Robbins and I wonder like, 
will there be like business YouTube effectively? Like take anything that is like high CAC um, and, you know, will you have kind of like organic, well, there was this cars, uh, was called car parts or something um, yeah. this, it, that just uh, raised like $300 million or something for some wow. company <laughs> that's affiliated with what they do. Um, and I guess that's one example, but um, yeah, I'm curious how you, how should I be thinking about as someone yeah. looking to build a network in 2023? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I think it will happen eventually. The question is just like how fast. Um, it's certainly it's certainly happening. I mean, if you look at like what Two Minute Papers has done with AI content on YouTube, like that is a very very niche academic machine learning channel, and it has a million subscribers. Um, of course, like the content is broad in the sense that AI is now, you know, broadly popular. Like anyone can be interested in it. Um, but yeah, the the idea of like you know like like trade publications creating basically like YouTube influencer accounts. It's certainly possible. The question is just kind of like how how quickly will it happen and and can it work with the YouTube feed? It's like it's almost it almost might be better to to you know like Substack has video distribution and it might almost be better to distribute video content through Substack. I've looked at that and I've thought about that. Um because then you don't have to worry about like the the viral nature. Like if I, if I, if I don't generalize a video, like it won't get that many views. So I often have to take a topic that I want to talk about and like really, really like simplify it and make it more dramatic and basically add a bunch of clickbait to make, like, I wanted to talk about the, I'll give you an example. I wanted to talk about the uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Blizzard. And there were a couple videos out there about it. But it was mostly from like the gamer context on YouTube. Like, oh, is this going to be bad for like Call of Duty? I want to play Call of Duty on PS4. It was not very, it wasn't like looking at the financials. It wasn't really understanding like the implications. Um, but I, I was able to take the acquisition news and put it in the broader context of like the war for the metaverse between Microsoft and Facebook. And I gave it a really, really dramatic title. Microsoft just killed Zuck's metaverse. And it got like 8 million views. And it went super, super viral. And, and that was cool because it got a lot of views and it brought in a lot of new people who wouldn't otherwise have heard anything about the, the you know, Activision acquisition. Like it's a very insidery baseball topic. Um, and it's cool to be able to kind of like spread that level of analysis that you'd normally only see on like a stratechery or something. But instead now you're now you're getting it like kind of spoon fed to you on YouTube in this like viral format. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, like having to do that every single time, it really like, it really hurts the level of content. Um, it, it, it's actually in some ways better when you have that one-to-one, -one, you know, opted in the person's added you as a feed or they or you're in their inbox and you can count on them finding your content then that gets a little bit stronger in terms of not needing to do that every single time. But the numbers get weird then. Like, like the, the audience will just be much smaller. So you have to be monetizing much, much, much more efficiently. But you can do that. You can clearly see that with a, with a, with, with a newsletter. Like there are newsletters with under 100,000 subscribers that are making millions of dollars. Whereas it's really, really hard to make over a million dollars on YouTube if, you, if you're just like a default channel with 100,000 subs. Like that's just not something that happens very often. For that reason, and, and I know you're not doing this primarily economically, but yeah. you you are you know um, in the venture scene and you do care about reaching that audience. Um, do you, should you have a newsletter or like how do you think about that? 
Yeah, I've thought about like the multi-purposing the content. Um, that's like a very it's a very trendy thing to do. Is like you know you have your foundational piece of content. You've done your big analysis on. Um, you know, I just, I just did a big piece on Intel. So I could turn that into a Twitter thread and a podcast and a newsletter and, and a bunch of TikTok shorts and stuff. But I feel like that all of that is kind of, I don't know, it's like growth hacking. It's very much like a distraction. I'd rather just really, really focus on figuring out the core content first and, getting really, really consistent on that, really honing the core product before I go off and try and do something else. And if I did do like a newsletter, I wouldn't want it just to be like a copy paste of the script because the script is written for YouTube specifically. Newsletters require a different structure and, and like um, the medium is very important. I, I, I think a lot of people don't don't really take that into consideration. And that's why a lot of podcasts that get dumped onto YouTube don't they, they don't do very well. They do fine, but they don't, they don't like, they don't work in the same way that YouTube channels normally do because they're not designed for retention and click through rate on YouTube. And it's kind of the same thing for a newsletter. Like if I, if I do a new, if I do a new channel, like if I were to do shorts or if I were to do a newsletter, like I would want to think about that problem from first principles and like create a product that is actually great in that medium, as opposed to just Oh, it's, you know, it's a copy paste of what I already have. Yeah. You know, it is really interesting talking about the podcast, YouTube yeah. kind of intersection because some, some podcasts do really well, like, I mean, the best one, like Lex Fridman and, and Joe Rogan and, and even all yep. in and, and to a much smaller degree, we're seeing our show moment of Zen actually do better on YouTube than, interesting. than downloads. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense because like you can, uh, th there's stronger search and then there's also some browse, like there's some, there's some algorithm, uh, algorithmic feeds to, to push some views. Um, I mean the, the, the Lex Friedman and the, and the, uh, Joe Rogan thing, like the reason that that blew up on YouTube is because like they were uploading three hour shows and, and even if people don't watch even if people don't watch the whole thing, there's so much there that the signal to YouTube is that like, hey, on average, yeah, a lot of people don't finish this, but on average, people are watching this for like an hour. So if we can get someone on this, they'll stay on the platform forever. So you got to show this to a ton of people. And so that's why the three hour format was so effective um, and, and grew so fast on YouTube. And then also the clips, the clips are really effective because um, they, they, they were like much tighter and much, and much easier to, to actually go viral. It is interesting. One of ours is the one that we just released is two hours and that's doing better than the one hour one. Like, would you, is the longer, the better? Yeah, I mean, typically on YouTube. Um, I mean, if the content's, the content needs to be like as long as it needs to be basically. Yeah. Um, but, but if it's just a conversation, like you're going to get like, YouTube's going to be a lot more favorable to you if it's much longer, like the longer, the better, because, because like the chance, I don't know what the click through rate on that video is, but l like, let's say it's like What's 3%. Uh, I mean, it depends. It, it's all dependent on the length of the video. So, uh, like, like a, like a four minute video might need like a 15% click through rate to go viral. But a, like, uh, I, I put out a 47 minute video about the history of Xi Jinping and like that video got impressions and pushed out, even though the click through rate was pretty low, like four or 5%, just because if somebody watched it, they watched it for like 16, 17, 18 minutes on average. Cause like, yeah. there's a lot of content there. So the longer, like longer content tends to get more impressions if the click through rate's like the same, like Ceteris Paribus. So, so that, that's why like the three hour shows tend to do really well because 
the click-through rate for a one-hour piece of content, your show, and then a three-hour interview with Lex Friedman, the click-through rate might actually be the same because the, the, the question that the viewer's answering is, do I want to listen to this podcast? Yes or no? And the propensity to click to say, yes, I want to listen to this podcast. The topic sounds interesting. The host looks interesting. I'm going to click on this topic. That's probably roughly the same, like not an order of magnitude off, maybe 3% for Lex and 2% for you or something like that. And then, but then if Lex has three times the length, he's going to get three times the view duration, keep the viewer on the platform for three times as long. So even though he's, even though, you know, even if he's even if he's twenty percent worse on the click through rate, if he's three times better on the duration, that's a higher expected value for YouTube, and and that's how the algorithm works. It's all it's all just expected value. How long can we keep someone on the on the platform? Fascinating. I want to dig more into this. So on a so Harry Stebbings has twenty minute VC. He also has twenty minute sales, twenty minute marketing, growth, uh, and he combines them all in the same channel. And there's always the question, you know, do you combine on the same channel or do you differentiate on a podcast layer? My sense is that you're not penalized if people don't um, click, like if, if people only like the VC content and ignore the sales marketing content, I think it doesn't really affect it. And it's just better to put it all in one feed because it's hard to build up new feeds in YouTube. Is that similarly true or actually it does care a matter if people click on, you know, um, like if you were, you know, let's say Harry in this case, would you start new YouTube channels for dedicated content that you know people are gonna, you know, click on? Right now, right now I'd probably separate them, but it could change. So the best practice has been just separate everything, keep everything as niche as possible. It could change if the algorithm changes, if, if, YouTube, if YouTube figures it out and can separate these things out. There are some people that have been successful, but even for like shorts, there's been a long, long question about shorts on the main channel. Should you do shorts on your main channel? And, and a lot of creators wound up doing shorts on their own on a separate channel. And whenever I have one of these questions, I always just kind of look to Mr. Beast because he's like the biggest creator. He takes it the most seriously. He's the largest staff. And so what does he do? Like there's a YouTube feature called premieres where you can premiere a video at a certain time and everyone in your audience will know that at 8 a.m., the, the video is going live and they can watch it there and they can chat with everyone else who's watching it. Does Mr. Beast ever use premieres? No. So should you? Probably not, right? Because he's probably done all the all the research. He's probably tested everything. Um, and and shorts on the main channel? Probably not because what did Mr. Beast do? He has shorts, shorts on a different channel. And so uh, Beast Gaming, Beast Reacts, different channels, right? So that's probably the right strategy. And, and then the question is just like, well, yeah, if you're going to do some separate channel and it's it's going to be dead, and you're going to just going to do one a month. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have done that anyway, or maybe you should like roll that into your core content. Um, like instead of, I, I, I don't know about 20 minute sales, but like, like if you were just going to do like a, a sales deep dive, like once a quarter, you could just have it on 20 minute VC, but then do, oh, there's this VC who's been a sales leader and we're going to have him on as the guest. And it's going to be very like VC focused, but if he's really doing like sales leaders every single week, then separate channel for sure. And I would say separate podcast feed too. Um, uh, I mean, you're, you're right that you're not penalized as much. You are in some ways like in, in Apple, uh, Apple podcasts will automatically download unless you don't listen to one for like four episodes in a row. And then, and then it won't, and then it won't be automatically downloaded. It won't show up in the feed as, as easily. So, so if you were to do, if you were to do a VC episode and then and then sales, 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 VC episode, sales, 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 sales. You, yes, you might lose some of the VC listeners. Um, but if you're going sales 
sales VC, sales VC, every other, you probably won't because the, the audience will be listening to every other one. Now, the big thing that's changing is Spotify. Spotify is like the biggest podcast app now. And you can bet that they're going to do more like algorithmic feed type stuff soon. Um, so I would be very like, I don't know. I would just be trying to stay, stay ahead of that. I, I, I don't really know what, it, what it's going to turn into, but you could, you could imagine that they're going to like, they're going to build something more like the YouTube browse feed. Which would mean niche is better or like, it just means like, it just means like, like the creators that, that do the best will be the ones who really understand how the, uh, how that specific algorithm works. Um, they'll probably be more, I mean, I, I really have no idea, but I mean, I would just imagine that if, if Spotify is building this, this, you know, huge library, and then they have you on this app, when you open the app, their goal is just to keep you on that app. So if they're, if the choice is between showing you a, like a bad episode of a podcast that you're subscribed to because of some sort of like loyalty thing versus like a new podcast that you've never heard, but it knows that you will love because everyone with your similar profile loved it. They're going to show you that. But what, what that means is that the, the podcaster can no longer count on, oh yeah, Spotify just delivered that podcast into my audience's feed. Like that's going to go away. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing. It's, that's already the way it is on YouTube. Like if I don't, if I don't figure out like the right clickbait and retention, like they just won't show it to my audience, my audience. Like it's just people that click the buttons and subscribe, like who cares? But like, like the, the real, the real thing is you hear a lot of, you hear a lot of content creators talk about this and they, and they say like, they act so entitled. They're like, oh, like why isn't YouTube delivering my content to my audience? But it's like, no, if you think about it the other way, it's like, 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 I do not, I do not give some YouTuber or some podcaster the right to like force me to listen to their content. Like, 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 yeah, the, all, all, all YouTube can do is like, Hey, maybe show it to me if it thinks I'm, if it thinks it's interesting and I'll decide. And, and, and what you'll hear people complain about is they'll say, Oh, well, I have 250,000 YouTube subscribers, but I only got 20,000 views on that video what's happening. Well, if you look at the impressions, you usually probably, you probably got 250,000 impressions. Like YouTube showed your, your title and thumbnail to 250,000 people. They just chose not to click on it. And it's the same thing with YouTube, like, uh, or with podcasts, a lot of podcasters will say, Oh, I got a million downloads. And it's like, well, how many people really listen to that? <laughs> like, um, like, like just because it went into the feed doesn't mean that people actually listen to the end. Fortunately, podcast analytics are getting better, but for a long time, there were a lot of podcasters who were like disillusioned into thinking that like, Oh yeah, like I, I have this many subscribers and they all listen every month. And it's like, no, they don't. Yeah. No, that's a uh, very interesting. Um, I'm curious how you think about the, the future. So when you think about like, um, you mentioned not a lot of GPs um, are watching YouTube today in the way that, you know, maybe your listeners watch YouTube. Do you think that the entrepreneurs or GPs of the next five to 10 years um, are, are going to be coming like are in your audience right now? Like, do you uh, think? Yeah, ab absolutely. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. So you think it's almost like 15 years from now, people might be quoting your YouTube yep. uh, or, or Gary Tan's YouTube the same way that they quote Paul Graham's essays. Like hundred percent. Yeah. And, and then, and that's the whole goal, right? Is just, to, it. is just a, is just to start building now for the future. Got it. So it's not that the best people don't watch you do. It's just a generational thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly, it's mostly a generational thing. And I do, I do want to reach those, like the, 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 the older cohort of Silicon Valley insiders, as we'll call them. Um, 
a little bit more significantly this year. Um, and, and, and my plan to do that is basically create a podcast feed because that generation will listen to the podcast. And then maybe I have to do a newsletter too. Um, I'm going to try and like figure out what a good newsletter would be like if I had to do that. Um, but, but really the, the core needs to be a really, really great YouTube presence that can, that can kind of attract all of the crazy hacker 16, 18 year olds right now. And then in a couple of years, they're calling me basically. Yeah. And do, how do you want to be known in terms of like, talk about the kind of the evolution of your content. I know you, you mentioned like through news versus analysis. Um, do you want it to be like Ben Thompson, more like an analyst or more like Keith or boy, like, or Gary Tan, I guess, like I'm an operator, you know, I'm an investor. Here's what I've learned. I, I just, how, how do you think about um, the content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried a bunch of different things. Um, the first the first iteration was kind of like unscripted hot takes. I'd just kind of like see what anyone was talking about on Twitter. I actually wouldn't even write the script. I would just ha have uh, like a slide deck of, of like notes that I wanted to talk about and maybe some data, maybe some tweets. And I would just kind of click through them and, and talk to the camera. Um, those actually weren't that bad and probably could have gotten better at that over time. But then I started writing more thorough notes. Eventually I started writing the whole script and I just kind of realized that I enjoyed that more. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And then in terms of the actual analysis, I've, I've done some videos about like how I started a company or what, what it was like raising money. And um, I just, I just did not find it very, um, I found it extremely cringe, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just very awkward to talk about. I, I I'm also in like a weird a weird ranking in Silicon Valley where I'm like I'm like extremely not successful by the by like the, the metrics of like my Silicon Valley friends, and then like to like some random person on YouTube, I'm like super successful. So <laughs> you, you know, it's like it's like how how cocky can you be on YouTube talking about like, Oh, I, I have it all figured out. And, and I could kind of see that like the, that the end state of that path, like to get the most views and to have the correct, um, like to build the channel efficiently, you it would have to be how to get rich, right? Like I, here, here's how I got rich. Here's how I, here's how I spend a million dollars or whatever. And I just did not want to, I did not want to see that I could see the, the, the path and where it was going. And I didn't want to get to the top of that mountain. So I, I chose to climb a different mountain. And, and, and that's very much more like the, the Silicon Valley history, the stories, uh, reading books and doing like, uh, you know, analysis on companies. There's a little bit of Ben Thompson in there. There's a little bit of acquired in there. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, just kind of like, a uh, little bit of like what Packy does where he like takes you through like a series, a company and in, in, in way more granular detail than any, like modern press outlet would do. And I like those. I really like putting someone else front and center. Uh, there's this, there's this hilarious, um, thing on YouTube where like the, the end state of any YouTuber is like the O face. They go, Oh, like, like it's like so <laughs> surprising. Like they gotta be surprised about everything. And that, and that's not really true. You really, the face is just a good way to convey emotion. So there are plenty of YouTubers that are curious and they always have like a curious face or, or they're, or they're, they're, doing like a horror, like I, I stayed in a haunted mansion and it's like a scared face. Um, so it doesn't always have to be necessarily surprised, but it's like this overly dramatic face, facial expression that's in the thumbnail. But what I realized was that if I'm not talking about myself, I don't have to put myself in the thumbnail. <laughs> so all my thumbnails are like ridiculously over the top, cringy, overly expressive faces, but it's not my face. 
it's like Bill Gates's face or Mark Zuckerberg's face. And like those guys can deal with it. So, um, so, um, so yeah, like I, I, I liked, I liked that, like talking about the other companies, letting the analysis speak for itself. And then like, if somebody wants to go look me up and see that, like, I've actually built companies in Silicon Valley, like they can kind of figure that out. But, um, but I'm not, I'm not relying on that. Like, like, fake guru, here's hustle culture, how to like make a million dollars. Plus like that absolutely attracts like the wrong crowd. Like that, the, the, if you're talking about like drop shipping, crypto trading, how to make a thousand dollars in a day, like that crowd, I don't believe that they were, they're going to build like the next great company. They're going to like get scammed and then they're going to get scammed again. And then eventually they're going to go like probably work Scam at McDonald's others. or something like, <laughs> like, you know, they're just like, they're, they're kind of marks. And there's a lot of people that have built audiences of basically marks. Um, like, like there was one guy who was doing like, he was doing like, a t he blew up doing content about like how to, how to collect your PPP check. No, not, not the PPP check, the, uh, the, the stimulus check. And it was like, it just comes in the mail. Like you don't need, like, <laughs> you don't need like a YouTube video to help you with that. Like you just, you just cash it when it comes. But like, everyone was so interested in like, how do I get money from the government that like it blew up. And then basically like he just curated an audience of like marks and then he could kind of sell them anything. Um, and there, there's a lot of historical stories about, uh, people that have developed newsletters of suckers and, and they would just like spin up a company, sell them a bunch of junk and then, and then shut it down and then do it again. And the people that got fooled the first time they get fooled again. And like, there's a lot of that on YouTube. So, um, so yeah, like by, by putting like the, the, the historical stories and the, the real entrepreneurs like front and center, like it allows for a lot more, like, um, I don't know, just like objectivity and it's just like just like kind of a chiller content yeah that um that that makes sense in terms of the in terms of the path um they've chosen i'm curious if you would advise someone like lex or, or joe um rogan to um kind of do like more youtube content that's like one to the camera that like mm, for example not. like what they have is working extremely well <laughs> and they should yeah. just completely double down on that yeah, it is interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, so obviously they're extremely successful. I'm like just starting out, yeah. but I've been podcasting for a long time. Podcasting is super native to me and super organic. Mm -hmm. And some of it seems to be doing well. Like, should I experiment with some of the stuff you're you, they, like, I don't what's it called? One to camera or just like. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like types of content that you can create, there's a bunch of branches that kind of like filter down. So, uh, you know, you can start with like the length. Like I happen to do like 20 to 30 minute content. Sounds like you're doing like an hour to two hour content. Then there's like scripted versus unscripted. My content is scripted. Yours is unscripted. Then, uh, then there's like the level of editing. Mine's like highly edited. Yours is basically unedited. Maybe there's like some graphics every once in a while, a little bit, but it's not like, you know, like a, like the, you know, an editor doing motion graphics for a long time. Um, and uh, and then there's like the number of hosts. There are some channels that have scripted content, but maybe it's a comedy sketch. And so there's two actors. So there's, it's, it's, it's scripted, edited, you know, but it's also, there's two hosts. And I think your, your, your show has three hosts, right? All In has four hosts, you know, you, Rogan and Lex, they, they do solo hosts, right? Um, and, and, then, um, and then there's just like, and then obviously like there's like all the topic niches and stuff. But in terms of like the actual format, I got a very funny question from someone saying like, like would you consider what you do a video podcast? And it was like, it's funny because anyone who's over the age of 40 
they do not understand what I do. And they say, John has a podcast, like, like in-laws and parents and stuff like that. It's always, it's a podcast. Cause that's all they know. They don't know what a YouTube video is. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but like, I don't know, like, is it a podcast? Kind of like, like what is a podcast? It's just an MP3, but also there are podcasts with video. So it's an MP4 now, so it doesn't really matter. So thinking about like, like where you, where your strengths are, like I, I didn't like the live streamer. I, I, I actually don't, I like being a guest on podcasts. I'd say yes to almost like every interview because I'd like being a guest. I don't like being an interviewer that much. I'm really bad at keeping the conversation going and I jump in at awkward times and I can't shut up. It's like, it's just like, it's clearly a skill. And I think that the, the mistake that a lot of people make with podcasts is that they think like, oh, I like to have conversations. <laughs> I have conversations all the time. I can be a great, I would be a great podcaster. I'm always enjoying the sound of my own voice. And it's like, no, like podcasting is a skill and interviewing is a skill. And clearly it's a very high skill ceiling. Like there are some incredible interviewers out there. Uh, you know, you have your Barbara Walters or, you know, any of these folks who have done like incredible groundbreaking interviews or whatever. Um, and, and it takes time to build up. So as long as you can see that that's a path you want to go down and, and you really enjoy it and you want to just continue to grow that, then like, go for it. Like there's no, there's no, there's no, like, there's no wrong way to do it. You just have to find what's like authentic to you. I happen to be, I, the reason I didn't do a podcast was I actually did 20 episodes of a different podcast like years ago and I didn't like it at all. Uh, the booking was insane. I'm, I, I really don't like emailing people to say, Hey, come on my podcast. It's just, I don't know. It's like awkward to me. Um, I feel like I'm imposing on people and a lot of my friends are like really busy. And so one of the best things that I like about YouTube is that I can make an entire video about like basically one of my friends and I can just send it to them and be like, Hey, I made this. And they'll be like, cool. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't even take an hour of your time. Like it was just nothing on your, on your schedule. Cause I know how busy people are. Um, and, and then also like, I don't really like the actual interviewing process. I like the writing process and the researching process and like finding these weird connections between like historical anecdotes and, and, and then like contemporaneous data and trying to try to pull all that stuff together. I like that. And then I like motion graphics and animation. And I, I, I that's just like where, what's native to me. And so I can see myself, you know, in 10 years still enjoying like, Ooh, how can we use after effects differently? Or how can we use like AI to create better visuals or something like that? Like that's something that's going to be something that I just enjoy going down the path of for Lex. You can clearly tell that he's not getting sick of talking to people. Like, I don't know. I'd probably be tired of it <laughs> after like how many, how many hours has that guy recorded? It's like, he's recording for like 20 hours a month, a week. It's insane. What I'm curious about is whether your format's a lot bigger. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. yes. So, 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 uh, on a pure view basis, yes, the, but, uh, views are proportional to, to content length. So, uh, like, uh, like the most viral TikTok probably has like a billion views, but it's 60 seconds long. So that's like a billion watch minutes. And then Mr. B's Squid Game is like 20 minutes long and it got 300 million views. So that's more views than that. And then the most listened to episode of Rogan probably has like 10 million views and it's like three hours long. So you multiply that together and you get like even more watch time than Squid Game. So at the end of the day, all that matters is like the amount of attention that you're pulling in, ideally, at least, you know, in, in most economic models um, for advertising and really for kind of any the, the goal of any content. Um, and so it doesn't really matter um, as long as you have that as long as you have that in mind, um, I, I think you'll be very, very satisfied. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you can always you can always like clip it down and have like the whole 
the whole spectrum of of content. And you see people work up the stack a lot where a TikToker will start, then they'll be doing YouTube videos, and then they'll start a podcast. And so you can definitely go the other direction where you you have a three-hour podcast and then you post five, 10-minute clips on YouTube and then, you know, 20 one-minute TikToks or whatever. Like that's that's a fine pattern. Yeah. I I I I think I'm just gonna experiment with it just to see if like I've never really tried it. The sort of yeah, scripted like podcast super yeah, either scripted and or or even unscripted, just one to the just no co-host, just me to the camera, just to see what that's like. See if it is organic. See if yeah. I mean the one the one complete white space right now that no one is doing is is live streaming. Like there's no there's not a single tech tech live streamer. I know uh, Delian did like a Fortnite stream once uh, with someone, and I'm trying to think if anyone else has done like a live stream. I know I, maybe, maybe Blake Robbins, like he's, he would be somebody that would like try that basically. But other than like those two, like, I don't know anyone who's really doing that. And like, I, I think Jason Calacanis, I mean, he was doing it back in like the nineties. <laughs> like he had, he was, he was on this crazy old live streaming site. Um, and, and he was, he was doing live streaming. I think he still does some live streams every once in a while, but like clearly no one has cracked like the, like the Twitch like the Twitch influencer, like imagine like you have like a, like a full-time content creator, like a Packy McCormick or like a Ben Thompson, but the way you consume their content is you go to twitch.tv slash whatever their name is. And like, that's, that's the output. Like that is a wild thing. I think it's going to be it, like the skill ceiling is even higher. Like the entry point's really high too. The, the, the entry point is higher for scripted edited YouTube content because you need to write, you need to have a camera, you need to, you know, find an editor. Like there, there's a bunch of different things that you have to do just to get started. Podcasting is a little bit easier. Obviously like Twitter's the easiest, like you just download the app, start tweeting, boom, you're good. So anyone can, can jump in with Twitch streaming. Like it's like the most, it's the most complicated from the tech perspective it's really really taxing you have to build the schedule like like but it, whoever figures that out they're going to have the most massive cult following and they're just going to be unstoppable but i don't know how the, i don't know how you do it like you can't have a job <laughs> <laughs> say more about like what is uh, with the question i always ask like what is the prize like and so let's say you figure out twitch yeah what, do you make a lot of money on tips and is it like an influential audience or, or like I guess yeah. what you're saying is yeah, I mean, live like, streaming is just intimate medium. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different things. Like obviously it's super defensible. Like uh, Twitch is like total, like winner take all. There's no algorithm. Like you go to the, you go to the homepage and it's sorted by views. <laughs> so like the, 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 the people with the most views are getting more and more views. Cause when you just go to Twitch, you just see the most popular accounts. Uh, there's no breakout successes. Um, obviously there's like these crazy parasocial relationships with Twitch figures. They're like mega celebrities that people just like will do anything for. They'll spend lots of money. So yeah, there's ways to monetize just like, Oh, you know, like, like I have a super dedicated audience and I want them to buy my product or I want them to, uh, you know, buy this sponsorship that I did. And I get a really, really high CPM because my audience is really dedicated. Um, but, but then just also it's like, it's like, it's, it's basically impossible to disrupt. Like, uh, you know, like with all like the synthetic media AI stuff, like the last thing standing is clearly going to be live video. That's, you know, clearly a human. That's going to be really, really hard to, to, to break apart because it's, it's, it's happening in real time. It's, you know, on, on video, like there's just a lot there that, that can be more reactive. And then, and then you'll just have, you'll just be like the first, you'll, you'll be the first reaction on everything. 
Whereas like all in needs to wait a week to like give their take. Like the Twitch person would be on that day. And when something happens in the latest Elon Twitter saga or some funding announcement, like they're giving their take, like as it hits the newswire, basically. That's really interesting. Yeah. The one concern I would have with that is like, do you, um, you know, with YouTube and Twitter and podcast, you earn sort of, you get listeners in your sleep and you, you could stop for yeah. a while and you have this big ca- back catalog that's pretty big. Whereas yeah. Twitch, you can never stop, right? <laughs> uh, well, to- no, I mean, the, the, the way the Twitch uh, ecosystem works is like, is like, you'll be streaming just kind of like, you know, talking about the news or whatever. And then something big will come up and you'll basically like turn to the camera and be like, okay, guys, I'm going to record a YouTube video now, essentially. And then you write out some bullet points and you give like a more thoughtful 20 minute um, or 10 minute like summary of an, of a story or an analysis or something. And then you upload that to YouTube and then that lives forever. And you can always do, you can do evergreen content in live streamed. And I mean, also like you have all the gear set up. So a lot of these YouTube, a lot of these Twitch streamers will be like, well, I spent four hours live streaming, talking about um, all the different things that I would change with Twitter. And I was able to bat it around with my chat for, you know, a couple hours. They really seemed to like this idea. They hated this idea. So I'm going to like punch that up, turn the camera back on, record it. Boom. It goes on YouTube. It goes on shorts or whatever. Like it's, it's pretty easy. A lot of them have like clip industrial complexes where like, or like the viewers will be clipping them and posting them and stuff like, uh, they're, they're, right. Yeah. Andrew Tate was doing that like monetized, but a lot of streamers will just say like, Hey, you can just post my content on YouTube for free and you get the ad revenue or whatever. Um, and then that grows their audience. That's really interesting. Given your experience with YouTube, do you think any like massive companies will be built on, on top of YouTube or, you know, like spotter as, as one example, or how should VCs be thinking about YouTube? And then I also wonder like, are we, are we at the era of like the equivalent of like uh, startups, but before venture capital, like, are, are we like that early in YouTube creator? Like, will there be a flood of capital flood of, uh, uh, yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, the biggest things that will be built on top of YouTube are probably like the production companies and like Mr. Beast is probably like the prime example of that. I guess the question is like, can they reach venture scale? And there's certainly no evidence of that yet, but we'll see. And then in terms of like companies that support these things, usually it's the platforms. So the Instagram, the Twitter, there's a couple questions about kind of like, what is the venture intersection with YouTube and content creation? I mean, from what I've seen by far, the biggest winners from a venture perspective are the platforms. So YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, to a lesser extent, um, maybe Substack. you know, there will be other platforms and there will be other kind of you know, these winner take all type, powerful VC scale companies. Um, in terms of like creator economy companies that are kind of like, it's a FinTech company, but it's just for creators. Um, that, that feels really, really hard to me because you're basically saying that like, we're going to build a product that's just for like a niche. Like imagine like, like Stripe is probably one of the most impactful companies in the creator economy, but they're not just for the creator economy. So if you say like, I'm gonna build Stripe just for the creator economy, like, like, how is that going to play out? Well, you're not going to be able to raise as much money. You're not going to make as much money. And then Stripe is going to crush you because they're going to have more resources. So um, the question is, like, when do you actually need, like, a very, very specific creator economy-focused tool? So Adobe, Photoshop, uh, DaVinci Resolve, Blackmagic, the camera companies, 
Sony, Canon, like uh, these are the creator economy companies that I think are going to do really well. Um, the platforms, the technologies that are like specific and need to be. Um, I don't think you're going to make a lot of money just saying like, oh, we're going to make like chairs for YouTubers or we're going to make like, you know, like, you know, notepads for them to take notes because they take notes, you know, no, no, like um, it needs to be like very specific. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the actual production companies, they are starting to get big. Uh, Mr. Beast is, is, is very, very large. Um, uh, you know, hundreds of employees, um, millions and millions of dollars of revenue. Um, it seems like a great outcome like that. Like the best possible outcome would be like a Disney. Maybe a smaller outcome would be like, a, you know, A24 or something, you know, like that, that scale. Um, still hard to hard to see like a venture scale ipo type exit maybe one maybe two who knows um but i mean phenomenal businesses phenomenal lifestyle businesses um phenomenal mid-sized businesses phenomenal large businesses and they make a lot of money they're high margin and they don't require a lot of startup capital because you can start with your phone and just upload and if you know what you're doing and you're telling good stories you're going to go viral and then once you go viral youtube's going to send you a check for a couple grand and then you buy better gear and you do it again and you just reinvest and it's very very simple no one has figured out how to short circuit youtube with money and if if that was the case like i would have spent way more money earlier obviously and every vc firm would have like an amazing youtube channel and they don't because it's really really hard and you can't just buy it off the shelf um so yeah i, I i'm not i'm not super bullish on like the uh like the creator production company as as ipo target anytime soon but um you know there's still amazing companies and like amazing creators doing cool 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 stuff totally yeah that'll be a, we'll leave that uh cool. as a wrap for this combo and, and tee up maybe a future uh yc for creators uh, a combo um, yeah 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 we should not... like work through that step by step because like there's something there but it's like very complicated so that'll be fun totally yeah totally john thanks so much for giving a master class on all things youtube this fun conversation yeah, this is great. I'll talk to you soon. Riverside is a presenting sponsor of Media Empires. It's an essential part of our tech stack. Riverside makes scaling a media business possible for us and so many podcasters and creators. It's our online recording studio, not just for the show, but across the entire podcast network. Riverside lets us record interviews with the best guests from wherever they are in the world. Our team can also cut short form clips directly from Riverside. Because as any listener of the show knows, you create once and then publish everywhere. Sign up for Riverside.fm today by following the link in the description box and use our code MEDIAEMPIRES to get a 20% discount. Turpentine is a network of podcasts, newsletters, and more covering tech, business, and culture, all from the perspective of industry insiders and experts. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now. At Turpentine, we're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We have a slate of hit shows across a range of topics and industries, from AI with Cognitive Revolution to Econ 102 with Noah Smith. Our other shows drive the conversation in tech with the most interesting thinkers, founders, and investors, like Moment of Zen and my show Upstream. We're looking for industry-leading hosts and shows along with sponsors. If you think that might be you or your company, email me at eric at turpentine.co. That's E-R-I-K at turpentine.co.